Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Not very surprising to probably most people, I um, have about three messages. Actually, it's funny. God, in preparing for this all week, I'd been praying and I had one line. One line. I mean, as much as I tried to write notes, I had one line written on a piece of paper. It was all I could get. And it, the world is desperate for a father. That's all I could get. And I'm like, God, I've preached on that before. So, no, that's not it. That's the, and I just couldn't get anything else. Even yesterday morning at our leadership meeting, I'm like, I've got one line for tomorrow's message. And then after the meeting, I went and spent a little, little time, not a lot, spent a little time, probably about an hour and a half, praying like, all right, God, I'm okay to go up there with nothing because I know you're the one that's up here anyway. I'm just partnering with what you're doing. And God was like, do you remember? And he took me to an encounter I had about a month and a half ago. And I started remembering the encounter and I started thinking, oh, I get it. That's where we're going. And I had a good idea of what we were going to do this morning. And then I came to church last night and Shane, huh, how many of you were here at church last night? I'm surprised you left and came back because... If you haven't, if you haven't, go on like SoundCloud or iTunes. We have our Saturday nights on podcasts. Last night's message was incredible. He talked about portals and trances and, oh God. (laughs) Wow. Even this morning... (laughs) just started talking about last night and just the raw, authentic encounters with God. Not the ones that happen and you remember, the ones that mark you and change you. The ones that when you get encountered, everyone that sees it gets encountered as well. So then last night after church, I wrote a whole nother message. And we'll see where we're going to go. One thing I do want to mention is, I don't feel like I'm supposed to do this. I, from the moment I got saved, I was in full-time ministry. If you have been saved, you were in full-time ministry. Do not assume that this place or this position makes me a minister. And from the moment I got saved, my heart was drawn toward youth and young adults. It was like, man, that age group, give me those people that are in their formative, really graduating from sonship to adulthood years. Like, give me that group because I want to, I just love that. And probably for 16 years, that's the ministry I was really involved in. We were involved in a lot of other ministries, but I always was involved in that as well. And before we moved here, we were praying 
and I had a very clear open vision of newspapers around the world opening up and the headlines reading, fatherlessness broken off of a city. Austin is the first city of fathers. About 30 or 40 of you are going to actually be blessed off of that vision. <laughs> I hope you're, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call something out. That is what we do as people. That we get so conditioned to hearing something that we don't respond. When I read my Bibles, the 24 elders respond over and over. And it's never a change because it's not about my willingness to respond. It's about the reaction to the glory of God. And God gave me a vision that I believe is true. And if this city is actually supposed to be the first city that fathers are established and all fatherlessness is broken off, we as a house should respond to that. And I hope, I hope you know my heart. I'm not doing it because I don't need the response. But he does. We have our first men's conference coming up. This is not supposed to be a pitch for men's conference, but it's a call to the men of this house. Because if I came to be a part of this house and he gave me a vision, then this house has a piece to play in fatherlessness being broken off of a city. Our first men's conference is not for the sake of you to show up and be blessed. It's for you to stand up and receive a call on your life. We are going to take a city. Men are the head and called to lead. And we are going to step into the fullness of who we're called to be. So I am calling the men of this house to not maybe sign up for a conference or make it if it's convenient. I'm calling the men of this house to show up and actually lead the charge of what God's going to do in a city. That's what I want to say about that. The men are called to be thermostats, not thermometers. We need to set the temperature of the city, not just take the temperature of the city. Wow. What time is it? Oh, yeah. I got a few minutes. Just put your hand on your heart. I still don't know where I'm going. Father, work on this. <laughs> work on my heart. There are hardened places and hidden places, God. God, break those things down. Shine your light in those areas. God, I want to surrender my heart fully. I want my heart to be the most deciding factor in my relationship with you, that it surpasses my understanding. Just cultivate a hunger in me, God. You know, Shane was talking about portals and trances last night and Mariah Woodworth Edder and reading some of the things about her life. And 
I love the way the newspaper articles, you know, we call it slain in the spirit. They called it falling exercises. I, I actually want to start exercising again. <laughs> but a few months ago, I was reading. I, I was just, there was like a three-month period. I could not stop reading about heaven. I was just reading every verse I could find about heaven and the kingdom of God. To where when I would read other parts of the Bible, because when, when I start reading, I, I start following what's being said, I'll, I'll cross-reference, I'll follow the theme, I'll just, I kind of just get lost. But I would get to other areas that weren't directly talking about heaven or the kingdom of God that I'd probably read 20 times and preached on or whatever, and they didn't make sense to me. And I'm like, okay. What I've learned is if I start to feel disconnected, I go back to the last place I felt connected. So I went back to start reading more about heaven, more about the kingdom of God, and I just got lost in it for a while, probably about a three-month time frame. And I started thinking about eternity. How many of you have ever thought about eternity? It takes a long time to think about eternity. And I actually began to feel almost like a reset in myself of, the, of eternity. With that in mind, it's like having the beginning with the end in mind. If eternity is the end of what I'm praying into and thinking about, realizing that what we believe about eternity is how we're going to live our life in the middle of that process. And what am I doing today that actually impacts e eternity? Now, you can get so heavenly-minded, you become no earthly good. Have you guys ever heard that statement? It's like you can get so lost in, in just out there that you actually quit being effective here. We're here for a reason. But we should be here with eternity in mind. The way we're supposed to live is from heaven towards earth until earth becomes like heaven. See, we sometimes get caught up in like, I'm gonna live my life to get to heaven. Stop it. Live your life to bring heaven here. Ephesians tells us that we are seated, in, seated with Christ in heavenly places. I love the passion translation. Not every time, but I love the passion translation. And I love this. This verse, we ascend with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. That, that was you that I'm talking about. You right now, in this very moment, are co-seated with Christ in heaven. Are you aware of it? Why are you seated with, with him in heavenly places now instead of after you die? Because you've been created to bring heaven here. If you don't know what heaven's like, how can you bring heaven around you? 
So you have to have an aspect of your life that is aware of where you're seated so that when you're also aware of where you are here, you're, you understand what am I doing now that resembles where I am. Some of you are like, I'm here, I'm there, it's, yeah. Explain the Trinity and then you'll understand everything else. See, our goal is not to fill these seats. I'm 100% for the local church. I'm 100% for corporate gatherings. They're biblical and we're supposed to do them. But the goal isn't to fill these seats. The goal is to see the kingdom of God at hand. I can't allow my mind to create a belief system that doesn't line up with the kingdom. You guys okay? I took off my glasses, so a lot of you are fuzzy. Yeah, that's where I'm going. This morning, we were talking, Shane and I were talking just about last night and just I don't know about you, when you start talking about and reflecting on those moments with God, just those, those times in your life where it was like, it changed everything. And I've talked about this many times before, but way back when Joaquin was first saved, I was saved only a couple years my wife and I had a house and Joaquin was living with us and we used to do these things called Friday night prayers. And these prayer meetings were every Friday night starting at midnight. So I bet you can imagine how many people were anxious to show up for that, <laughs> which was part of why I think God called us to do it at that time. Sometimes there were four people, sometimes there were 24, 30, 35 people in our living room. We had two things that we decided to do. One, pursue him regardless of what it looked like. And two, we made time to do it. Every week for two and a half years, our house was opened at Friday night at midnight. And where we happened to live in that neighborhood, you know, everybody has their seasons of life where they're doing really well or they're living in neighborhoods where the third house down is the drug house. That was where we lived. There were two blue houses on our street, ours and the drug house. And, we, and sometimes at midnight or one or two in the morning, it wasn't people coming to pray that came to our door. And we had young children in the home and we had our door unlocked and open ready. One of my favorite stories was a guy that showed up and he shows up and he's like, hey, how you guys doing? We're like, hey. And we're kind of looking around like, who's going to introduce him? Because somebody had to invite him. You don't just find our house. And he said, I don't, I don't know what you guys are doing. I don't know what I'm doing here. He goes, I got in my car and just felt like I was supposed to come in. I'm like, wow, where do you live? He lived 45 minutes away. He got in his car and just started driving got into our neighborhood, pulled up to our house, got a, and walked in our house. Like, 
you know you're being led when you just kind of do something like that. And this still to this day blows my mind. He's like, so what are you guys doing? We're like, oh, just praying. And he goes, it's cool. Like, are you a Christian? He's like, oh, do you know Jesus? I don't know who Jesus is. How in America, as an adult, can you not even know who Jesus is? I mean, there's been enough really bad movies made about him. <laughs> and so we just start talking to him. Not saved, clueless about what's going on. And we're just like, hey, can we pray for you? And he's like, sure. So I've got my hand on his shoulder. Joaquin goes, Lord. And he just goes, Poof. he does a falling exercise. <laughs> and he begins to like shake. I mean, violently to where we were used to God showing up enough to where it didn't freak me out, but I'd have thought he's having a seizure or something's wrong because it was violent. And then he opens his eyes and he starts speaking and screaming in tongues. And then he gets up and he looks at Joaquin and he just starts prophesying. And I mean accurately with a Have you ever heard somebody prophesy like, I just feel like this is going. And then you have somebody that's like, thus saith the Lord type thing. And you're sitting in the other room going, heaven just showed up. What's going on? That, that authority. He's prophesying with authority. So we spend like six minutes just watching him be full. And then he asks, what just happened? <laughs> so we explain the gospel and ask him if he wants to get saved. And he said, yes, and we led him to the Lord. How many of you have problems with that theology? There's a lot of people that don't like that story because it's like, wait, he was overcome by the presence of God. He was speaking in other languages. He was prophesying under a prophetic gift and he wasn't saved. See, hopefully what that does is that takes away the qualification aspect of what God's offering to us. Because he freely gives. Our awareness and understanding is what we actually sometimes use to qualify it. Actually just surrender. It was beautiful. But our Friday nights, we would spend... Usually the minimum was about three hours, so three in the morning. Sometimes seven in the morning would happen. And this was our goal every Friday night. We're here, God, what do you want? That was our goal. We didn't have Bethel yet. We didn't have a lot of the teachings and stuff like We literally were like, we don't know what God's doing, but we're gonna do what he says. We were submitted to leadership but we were like, we're gonna go for it. I'm okay to be messy and make mistakes as long as my heart's pursuing him. There are times that people would literally walk in the room, lay down, be still in his presence, two or three hours later, get up and leave. Never say hello, never say goodbye. And it was exactly what God wanted to do in that moment. There was times I ran and pulled a sword out and knighted people. 
I had an anointing oil bottle that filled itself for two and a half years. Do you guys remember, you know, 18 years back when anointing oil, it's like, if you were in a prayer meeting, it was like mouthwash. I mean, everybody just, I mean, everybody dabbed it. You passed it around. You know, it's like you used it for deodorant, mouthwash, and you put it on people's heads. You put it on the dog, whatever it was. I mean, you just used anointing oil for everything. You couldn't walk in a house at that time where the doorposts and the walls were just oily because people anointed everything. We had one bottle that for two and a half years, we could not ever get to the bottom. We would pass it around and it'd be a like quarter full, set it up on the mantle, be praying, look up and be like, well, it's full again and unscrew it. And it would overflow out of the cap. Those encounters prepared us and prepared a place inside of us that prevented us from being doubtful. Have I ever struggled with my relationship with God? Yes. Have I ever been tempted by doubt? Yes. But I've seen and encountered too much to never give up. See, if you submit your mind, your mind, to the things of God, you'll end up with faith. But when you submit the things of God to your mind, you end up with unbelief. Unbelief is having faith in something other than God. Unbelief is being more aware of the natural realm and seeing it more superior than the spiritual realm. See, unbelievers measure, the measure of a successful life for an unbeliever is that they have become their own source. They're independent, they're powerful outside of him. An unbeliever's success is measured by what they've accomplished. And in turn, they actually create things to worship. In other words, they've actually made themselves and their things their God. It's why it's hard for people that are really successful and very intelligent because they've created an understanding of success to actually surrender all of that to the Father. Because they're like, well, I might lose these things. God, I hope so. Because if God wants you to have them, they'll be right back, but they'll be back blessed. God created man in his image. Do you know that you were created uniquely and with a purpose? Seven of you know that. How many of you, I I mean, honestly, I'm going to call you out. Raise your hand. How many of you know that you were created uniquely with purpose? Purpose, not just you were created by God, you were created uniquely with purpose. If you don't know that, that is a core fundamental thing that you have to get a hold of. You have to know your identity. Once you know who you are and why you were created, your life begins. Otherwise, you're just being tossed to and fro trying to figure out what you're doing because you don't have a direction that you're headed. 
I love Psalm 139, 14. It says, I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's such, a, such an important verse. When you look at the word wonderfully, it means to be separate, distinguished, and unique. It basically means that God made you special. Look at somebody right now and said, God made you special. Hmm. Oh, man. The word fearfully is the same word when it's, it's the same word used when referring to holy fear or the awe of God. He created you special and he created you to be in awe. See, I think one of the things I see missing in so many people's lives is the awe of God. Because if you forget and lose the awe of God, you actually are working out of your strength and your giftings. Holy fear is referring to having true and absolute heartfelt interest, respect, and reverence for God. The awe of God is the safeguard that keeps us from desires of sin. If you're lacking this type of awe, you're going to look for this type of something to sustain you. Can I get the worship team to come back up? Is there a worship team? I actually didn't want them up here because I hope they all fall, do falling exercises. <laughs> See, I pray for our worship team all the time. I pray that they get so overcome that they can't lead us. So that we have to step into our place of leading worship. <sighs> I am so grateful for this team. I'm grateful for what they do because they come up here and they worship. They lead by example, but sometimes I want them to lead by example, prostrate and not able to play. <laughs> Caleb, I hope you do a falling exercise. <laughs> over and over again. Why don't you guys stand real quick? You can't fall if you don't stand. Just kidding. I'm making a lot of jokes. I actually don't care about the manifestations. I care about the one who manifests. So I'm making jokes about it, and I've encountered them, and I've had deep, deep encounters with God. I'm not, I don't like to fall. I'm just, I'm, I'm being honest. I don't like to fall down. And I've actually found myself resisting it. God took care of that. God's thrown me across the room. I've fallen face first. I've frozen and fallen face first onto concrete and not had a red mark on me. I've done, we're praying and just going to this unmovable trance for like 10, 12 minutes, come out and prophesying crazy prophetic words. 
I've had the encounters. I don't care about the encounters in the way they manifest. I, I, I care about the fact that I was close enough to apprehending the truth of everything I can be in God in a moment. We have to break off the complacency and being okay with not living in our full calling. Powerful people are not seen correctly in our society now. In these days, you're not seen correctly if you're powerful. You're seen powerful if you're privately successful on your own. When you've achieved a lot in our society, you are seen powerful. But powerful people are completely surrendered to him and the call of God on their lives. We need to shift the script. We need to quit being afraid of what the world and even the demonic realms have actually taken that are truths of God and said, this is only for this group. Christians need to be afraid of it. I'm gonna say it again. I've said it before. The rainbow is the promise of God, not the stand for homosexuality. A supernatural lifestyle with crazy signs and wonders is not for cults and, and witchcraft. It, it is the promises of God in his word for your life. He's not looking for you to become coming empty. He's not looking for none of you and all of him. He's looking for all of you in all of him. What is it that you're doing today that has eternity in mind? What is it that you're doing today that actually is coming out of a place that I'm, I'm living my life from that reality, not this reality? How am I impact, impacting this reality right now from that place? It's time to stop spectating on what God's doing. God is sovereign and he can do everything he wants without any of us, agreed? But God is so loving that he only wants to really do it through you and I because he desires relationship over anything. And for you to sit on the sideline, it's like saying, I'm gonna get married and then sit on the couch for the rest of our marriage because I wanna watch what a marriage looks like. My marriage would not have lasted as long as it had or would have never lasted if I sat and watched to see what a marriage could be. I've been called to be something and I need to be fully in. You have all been called to be something in the Lord and you need to be fully in. Quit watching what God's doing and be what he's doing. I'm calling you into breaking off the complacency of your life. I know it can be scary. I know it can be difficult. None of that matters because when it's with him, you always win. Always. You may not win in the way you thought you were going to, which is why we sometimes get, get giving up. Oh, I know if I do this with God, 
this is what's gonna happen. And he's like, left turn. And you're like, why have you forsaken me? And he's like, cause that was never the plan. And you decided to make me a sandwich I didn't order. Don't do something for him, do something with him. Don't just not do anything, do something with him. Change your life. Father, I just pray right now, God. You can move around, you can come up front, you can go home if you need. Whatever you need to do, go ahead and do. Father, I pray right now that we would be encountered by your presence in a way that invades our comfort zone and changes us into more of what you've designed us to be. God, I give you permission to just radically strip away whatever needs to be stripped away to touch me in a way that I am fully changed and surrendered. God, I don't want anything but the fullness of what you've called me to and whatever hinders that, God, I give to you. Father, I pray that you would touch our lives, touch our lives right now, that you would come in such a way that we could not remain the same. I don't want an encounter for encounter's sake. I want an encounter to be so wrapped up in the glory and awe of your presence that nothing else matters. God, I surrender everything that I am in everything that you are. I want more, God. I want all of it. I don't want an encounter that changes my life. I want to live a life that's changed by you every moment of every day. Take me into higher places, God. Take me into places that I can see your glory and your fullness without hindrance, without fear. Father, I bless every person in this place right now, every person watching. I pray that you would encounter them, God, that you would touch them, that you would lead them, God. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.